welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is josh play from wall to main welcome josh hey rama thanks for having me Yeah, thank you very much. A little bit about Josh. Josh is a multifamily syndicator who specializes in helping investors use their retirement funds to passively invest. Through his company Wall to Main, Josh provides all the tips and tricks needed to invest quickly, safely and inexpensively with an existing retirement account. With that, Josh, would you like to add anything to your background? Well, I mean, just briefly, I am yeah, a multifamily syndicator. For the last three and a half years, uh, I decided to start my company, Wall to Main, to essentially teach other investors how to use their retirement accounts to get started in real estate like I did. And then currently with my partners, we go out and find deals that are optimized for the retirement investor. Cool. Cool. Um, thank you. So why did you open a, a Roth IRA account at 16 years old? Yeah. So I started with my IRAs when I was a teenager. You know, I mother and my grandfather were both CPAs and, you know, they suggested that I, you know, start looking out for myself in the future and not just, you know, focus on spending, uh, you know, money at, at that moment. And so they instilled kind of a forward thinking mindset in me. I invested in what I knew at the time, which was stocks and bonds, you know, equities, stuff like that. And I uh, just kind of set it there and forgot about it for a few years, but continued to contribute to it, you know, well into my twenties and everything like that. And, you know, it was, it was nice to kind of, I had earned earn money that year is you know a camp counselor just a, a small gig for the summer but the money that I put into it ended up for the last 15 years beating the S&P 500 it did very well and it was a nice it was a small amount but it was it was a nice example to kind of give me a, a, a nice picture of how to you know actively invest and try to make sure that my money is working for myself cool cool great start actually and so let's start with some basic questions so what is a self directed IRA josh Yeah, so a self-directed IRA, you know, generally the the naming's kind of a a misnomer. A self-directed IRA is is just like a normal IRA. It's just held in a different location. So, you know, most IRAs uh, or retirement accounts that most of us have, they're just they're held at a custodian, a Schwab, Vanguard, Fidelity, something like that where, you know, they facilitate equities, uh, stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, things like that. And so that's their bread and butter. That's what they're allowing you to transact in. But if you want to use your IRA funds to invest in anything else, and you're allowed to invest in virtually anything else, you can invest in anything uh, except for three categories. You can't invest in collectibles like art, jewelry, cars, alcohol, things like that, uh, life insurance policies, and shares in S corporations. But outside of that, you can invest in virtually anything you want, real estate, cryptocurrency, gold, uh, really anything. So if you want to invest in these types of things, you need to move into what people, you know, call it a self-directed retirement account. So you need to move the money away from one of those typical custodians that I'd mentioned into a different custodian who facilitates alternative asset. And once you have the account open there, you can invest in in as I mentioned just about anything you want. Cool, cool. And thanks thanks for explaining that. So how can one use existing retirement accounts to invest in two real estate or multifamily syndications? Yeah, so the most effective way and really the, the easiest and the, ma- the majority of people who do it do so with funds that either they themselves set up so you can set up an IRA yourself, side, you know, apart from your own employer, it's just something that you sponsor yourself uh, or, or funds that, you know, you you have from a past or previous employer, you know, 401k's, 403b's, thrift savings plans if you worked for the military. Uh and as long as those are with a former employer and not someone that you're currently employed with you can typically take control of those and you can move those you know into a self-directed account 
and into real estate as a result. If you are working at the employer that you're thinking of, you know, the accounts you're thinking about, if that's sitting at the current employer that you're working for, then you need to do what's called an in-service rollover. Unfortunately, the vast majority of accounts of, you know, plans don't allow for this kind of thing. Some do, so it's worth looking into if you if you if it's your, your situation. But yeah, you need to have what I would call control over the account to get started in real estate. Okay. So what, what kind of features we can expect? Uh, so it's it sort of depends. There's really two different flavors of self-directed accounts that you can open up. The first is the one I mentioned where you're moving money from one custodian to another. Every time you have a deal, you let the custodian know, you transact, uh, you send in paperwork for every transaction. They go ahead and take a look at that. They approve the paperwork. It takes a while. And oftentimes I've actually seen it kind of get in the way of, of investors' ability to invest in what they want because the process does take a, a bit of time. Then there's also the, the checkbook account. So the first step is the same. You still have to move it to a custodian. But the next step is that a provider who's helping you do this will actually open up an LLC for your IRA. 100% of the funds will be invested from the IRA into this new LLC. And just like any other business, you can actually open up a bank uh, checking account uh, and you can operate that account just as you would any other business. And uh, from there, every time you have a deal, you're able to uh, just essentially issue wiring instructions. You only have to pay the wiring fee. It's kind of a, it's a, it, there's more process on the front end, but it's much more you know, the fees are much less uh, and it's it's much more streamlined and nimble going forward. Kind of comparing the two in terms of fees, as you asked, uh, the custodian account, the first one, that's going to be based on, it's, it will be cheaper to open. It'll be something around usually $100, $150 to open up. But these types of custodians, they like to implement one of two methods. They either will charge you based on the total account value not what's sitting at the custodian, but really what, you know, all of your different assets held, uh, whether they're just cash of the custodian or if they're actual uh, shares in a syndication or a single family home, whatever it is. And if you're doing a good job as an investor, theoretically, and the account value is growing, they're going to start charging you more and more. And so if you're looking at about, let's just say for even numbers, about a half a million dollars, $500,000 account, you're probably going to be looking at somewhere around six or $700 a year. The other version is if they, you can also opt to be charged per asset held. So every time you have a new transaction, they'll charge you $100, $200 per asset held within the account. On the checkbook control side, it's a lot more simple. It's really just an annual administrative fee. You're looking at somewhere around $150. And as I mentioned, every time you transact a deal, you're looking at a wire fee of probably $35. Got it. Thank you. And regarding checkbook LLC accounts, so how can they use the funds only for the investment purpose or can they use for personal? Yeah. So when it comes to retirement accounts, and it doesn't matter what type of account you own, you can't use it personally. It has to be, you need to separate the two completely uh, in your mind. So any, your retirement account can't benefit from the actions of you, current day you, and you can't benefit from the actions of your retirement account. So just to kind of break this down into very simple terms, let's say that your retirement account buys, you know, a, a rental home, just a small $100,000 home. You couldn't theoretically rent your, that home to yourself. You can go live in it and rent it to your, uh, to your, yourself via your retirement account. The theory behind this is you can do one of two things. Let's say you really wanted a cheap place to live. And so you wanted to pay a dollar per month to the retirement account. Well, you're now benefiting from your retirement account's assets. And the whole point is that we're trying to incentivize you to contribute money for future you, not current you. And so you're, you would be benefiting. Now, let's say you want to you know, contribute even more than the contribution limits to your, your retirement account. You could theoretically pay $10,000 a month for a small home uh, if you rented it to yourself and pump even more money into your retirement account. And so they're trying to avoid these types of things. And so you need to make sure you're never interacting with 
with your retirement account in a deal that you yourself are actively involved in. Whether that's a single family home or in multifamily like myself, I can't use my retirement funds to invest in any deal that I'm operating or a general partner on because I'm actively in control of that deal and my retirement funds will passively be you know, benefiting from my actions. Cool. Thanks for explaining that. And what kind of taxes involved when investing in multifamily with self-directed retirement account? Yeah. So when it comes to an IRA, this is going to be kind of the, it's the main focus uh, of what I've, you know, structured my business around. And it's something that people need to be looking out for because a lot of folks consider retirement accounts to be fully tax-free. And for the most part, for most investments, they are. Uh, when it comes to investing, let's say in multifamily, you do, there is a tax implication that you do need to be aware of. So uh, as we've mentioned, the retirement account is obviously it's tax deferred dollars. It's incentivizing you to invest for the future. When you invest in a multifamily syndication, there's leverage involved. And so we're bringing in funds from an outside source like a bank or a lender. And so for, let's say that uh, for a, any deal we buy, let's say it's 75% leverage, 25% equity. For every dollar that comes in, 25 cents will be generated by your retirement account. If you're investing in this deal using your retirement account, you know, if it's 25% leverage, you're earning 25% of that equity using your retirement account. Perfectly valid. 75% of the income that is being generated is being done so by outside funds, by non-tax deferred dollar. And so the IRS is fine with this. They just say you need to pay taxes on that portion of things. And so you need to be aware of, you're going to be earning what's called unrelated debt financed income, UDFI, and you will then pay UBIT, unrelated business income tax. And so the nice thing about the situation is that because you're getting taxed on the, you know, the prorated share of the leveraged half, you can actually, that share can actually make use of its you know, its share of losses like depreciation, operating expenses, interest, interest expenses, things like that. And so that really helps you offset things quite a bit. When I was getting started myself, this was, you know, people always mentioned this, but they never really gave a firm understanding of what the concept was or, or what the impact would be if I use my own funds. So I was really frustrated by it. So I actually ended up creating the industry's first UBIT calculator. So I can plug in the, the details for really any multifamily syndication and figure out what the overall implication is going to be for my retirement account. And I, I now deploy this at my company wall to main where you know for every deal that i'm analyzing i'm able to take a look at it from the retirement account the retirement investors perspective and we can vet every deal for uh you know a more minimized ubit impact you'll never see a deal without a total uh without any ubit but we're looking for opportunities where uh you know the ubit impact for the investor is going to be overall minimized uh, and that's sort of what we're focusing on for our investors cool cool and so why is multifamily a good fit for retirement accounts yeah, I think it's phenomenal uh, because one of the reasons is, you know, a lot of people who get started in multifamily, they're concerned with the long hold period. You know, they, they say, okay, wow, I, I, I'm, in, I'm in an investment. I can't pull out of it for five, six, seven years, however long the, the hold period is. I've never, in working with retirement investors, I've never actually had someone raise this concern with me because for the most part, retirement investors aren't touching their funds for quite a while anyways. There's no need to tap into those funds or there's no ability to really tap into those funds. And so uh, a longer hold period for investment for a retirement investor is not really uh, too out of line with what we're trying to trying to do. Uh, the other factor and the main contributor in my mind is that fund balance, the account, if you do need to tap into it, whether it's early or if, if you're 59 and a half and you can start taking distributions and you need it to actively contribute income to your, to your life, you want the account balance to be there. You want to make sure that, you know, if you have $300,000 in the account, you have $300,000 in the account. If you're invested in equity, 
is you know at a time where you possibly need to remove funds from the account, you're looking at a chance where it might be an up day, it might be a down day, it might be a down period. And that account balance that has been there and has been growing for a while may not actually be there for you. I actually ended up taking a look at this uh, you know, multifamily versus the S&P 500 from 1990 on through 2020. And I found that the multifamily industry is 58% less volatile than the stock market. And it's even more stable than long-term US treasury bonds. And so uh, you know, it provides greater returns, but also more stable returns. And that's really the, the big thing is the more stable returns aspect. So your account balance is really always going to be there for you, constantly growing, not experiencing large fluctuations, but consistently growing at a reliable pace. Cool, cool. And thanks. Thanks for sharing again. And so would you share some tips and tricks to invest passively using existing retirement accounts? Yeah. You know, one of the, the biggest one, biggest tips and trick tip and trick that I, I try to uh, promote is there, there are really two different types of accounts that you can invest, uh, you know, in real estate or really anything with. And uh, there's the self-directed IRA, as we've been talking about. And there's also the solo 401k. The solo 401k is you can become eligible for this if you are self-employed, if you're if you're earning self-employment income. The nice thing is there's no minimum limit. There just needs to be an established business that is consistently you know, you're working towards. Uh, you know whether it's something like you sell arts and crafts on Etsy or um, you know you um, are a consultant in your industry or something like that, or you're, you know it's something that you're consistently doing year after year. And it doesn't need to be a large amount. You don't need to be earning a hundred thousand dollars from this business. It's just something that you need to be actively doing, whether it's on the side or it's your main business. If you can sponsor a solo 401k versus, you know, via any of this money, you can move any IRA money that's traditional IRA money or old 401k money. You can move that into a solo 401k. Once you have the, and the reason you would want to do this is once you have a solo 401k, you actually aren't, you don't earn any UBIT. You're, when it comes to multifamily, you're exempt from earning UDFI and having to pay UBIT. And so if you can move those funds over there, it's a great opportunity to, you know, avoid the tax. And the the cool thing is the little tip you can do is if you're not eligible for a solo 401k currently, you can invest in a deal with a self-directed IRA. You can, you know, just continue, um, you know, holding the assets in that account. And before, and typically the main time you're going to see a large tax bill is on a capital gains event. The, the cash flow, you're going to see minimal amounts of UBIT. We're just talking a couple hundred thousand or a hundred dollars on a, let's say $100,000 investment, it's, it's pretty small. But the main UBIT triggering moment is when there's a capital gains event. So if there's a sale or a refinance above your original capital balance, that's when you're going to see 10, 20, $30,000 in, in taxes. So if you are holding your shares in your IRA and before there's that capital gains event, you're eligible for a solo 401k and you can then move the funds, sorry, move the, the assets as a transfer from a self-directed IRA to a solo 401k, the only the only way you're earning UBIT is they're taking a look at what type of account is holding the asset at the time of that event. And if your assets are in a solo 401k at the time of a sale or a refinance, you will be exempt from earning UDFI and having to pay UBIT. And so it's a nice little trick. If you're not eligible now, there's always time. These are four, five, six year deals. And so you can always become eligible down the line and try to see if you know you can get around having to earn and pay this tax. Cool and great information. Thank you. So would you share any of your best experiences of implementing retirement funds into multifamily? 
Yeah, you know, it's there, there needs to be sort of a strategy of what you're going to be investing in as a retirement investor. You know, when I invest my cash and I, when I invest my retirement accounts, there's a completely different strategy for the two of them. They operate roughly the same way. I'm able to implement them very similarly. But when it comes to my personal discrete funds, my cash, I want some sort of uh, a cash flow return. I want something that's going to supplement my lifestyle, make sure that it's paying me and that I have money to, to help my family currently. When it comes to retirement accounts, as I mentioned, I'm not touching that money for a while. And so I'm looking, I'm not so much focused on deals that are currently cash flowing. I'm looking more for deals that will be operating, you know, implementing more of a, a deep value add kind of proposition, whether it's just value add or a deep value add, but we're looking for opportunities. And this is typically what we're finding at Walt Domain is we're looking for things for properties that are going to be heavily deferred when it comes to maintenance. The owners aren't really paying attention to the current market rents and they're, you know, the, the, the rents are far under market and there's a great opportunity for us to come in, improve the quality of the property, bring rents up to market rate. And from there, it's going to give us the, the biggest delta between where the property is and where the property is going. And so when it comes to my retirement funds, I'm really looking for a shift, you know, a, a larger equity multiplier. And so I've seen the most success in my personal retirement funds when I'm investing in, in properties that are putting $10,000, $20,000 in per door, fully rebuilding a lot of these units and turning them into and repositioning them into something that they weren't previously. Good, good. And would you also share your worst or challenging experience of implementing IRA funds into MFD? Yeah, absolutely. It's actually finishing this week. It's been four years. I, you know, when I first um, what was started starting up my multifamily operation, I knew that it was going to take some time, you know, finding the right multifamily property. It, it takes a year or two years. It, it takes a long time. So I knew I wanted to move my retirement funds into real estate. So in order to keep the, you know, the velocity of capital up, I moved them into uh, private money lending. This is another avenue that you can invest in where I lent, uh, let's just say $100,000 to a operation that will flip a, a building. So they take a large house and they turn it into three luxury uh, apartments or condos. And so I, I lent the money to them. Uh, it was a note. I was getting 12% and it ended up shifting to 15% when they defaulted because they didn't pay me within the, the time period that we expected. And so it was the most challenging experience because the project didn't end up earning them as much money as they would have thought. And so they had to take longer to pay me back. And so there was lack of communication. Communication breakdown was not fun to deal with. And what I learned from the experience was get a better understanding of what the, the overall communication and your insight into what's happening will be before you ever make that investment, before you ever uh, you know, do business with a person, understand how they do business because it would have been a lot easier, smoother, and I would have lost a, a lot fewer nights of sleep if I had understood really where the project was at and been given you know, more regular updates without having to track them down myself. Thanks for sharing that. And so any one advice that impacted you, Josh? You know, the, the biggest piece of advice that, that has really impacted my business, whether it's my investing style or whether it's uh, my entrepreneurial side where I'm, I'm growing my business and my operations, it's focusing on one thing at a time. When I first started, I was trying to essentially become an expert on a vast majority or a, a wide array of things. I was trying to figure out how I could do all sorts of different things at once. And I realized if I just focused on one project or one skill, uh, I can give 100% to that, that opportunity. And then 
then I can move on to then pivot to the next thing. And I'm not going to lose all of the skills and understanding that I had gained in the previous uh, focus, but the new focus, I can now, you know, direct hundred percent of my attention to that. And it's really helped me expand uh, at a much more rapid rate than scattershot trying to find information on a variety of topics, uh, not really understand my focus, focusing on one thing at a time has really allowed me to, to grow personally and uh, through my own business as well. Cool, cool. And how can listeners can connect with you, Josh? Yeah, folks can find me at my website, wall2main.com. We are offering a free PDF. It's called the the top 10 tips and tricks when investing in multifamily with your retirement account. You know, in there, I like to offer things like that, that self-directed IRA to solo 401k trick. There's a, a bunch of other things like that will hopefully let you make the most of your uh, retirement account when you're investing in multifamily. But at that website, not only do we offer things like that, but other education that allow you to to maximize your personal retirement account and, uh, and, and hopefully invest in multifamily successfully. Cool, cool. And thank you, Josh. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks so much for having me. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.